we should be we should be live i think we're live i'll give it a second there all right what's going on d-bags hope you guys are doing well we're back here again with another episode the 191st episode of the detox podcast i'm your host darren reading if you're new here feel free to connect with me at any of the links down below and if you enjoy music podcasts hooping videos or comedy do consider subscribing because we got a whole lot of that going on around here when you do subscribe leave a like or hang out with us like you're going to do tonight in the live chat it helps us share conversations and laughs like these we're going to have tonight with more people so do consider doing that um, now, before I can introduce you guys to my guest this week, got to talk to you guys a little bit about car insurance. These days, it seems like things just keep going up and up and up in price. It feels like every day we're talking about how expensive things are or how expensive things are going to be. So what are you doing? What are you doing wasting money on car insurance? You get your hometown agency, Kenosha Auto Insurance, specialized for years, literal years in simple, hassle-free car insurance, helping you and your family get the best rates uh, with uh, touch-free technology that that will help you save a lot of money. So what are you waiting for? Give them a call today. Call 262-448-4141. That's 448-4141. The website's kenoshains.com. It's on the screen right now. It's linked down below. Give them a call, 262-448-4141. Tell them D-Rita, Detox sent you. The worst that could happen is you will get the best rates. Now, with all that good stuff out of the way, I'm excited. I'm pumped, actually, to uh, get to know my guest a little bit more this week and introduce him to you guys as well. He's an extremely, extremely talented journalist comedian and fellow podcaster let's give a wet detox welcome to zay Oquata. is that how you say the last name Oquata? that wasn't that, that was solid that i didn't fully white could have been more of a ta, ta. put a little bit more of okay. a pronunciation i had a little a little too much well, mayonnaise. thank you for thank you for asking that though yeah use that a little too much i was a little too much mayonnaise that's on the funny. name there that's, <laughs> that's funny. how are you man how are I'm you good, man thanks for inviting me on the show dude i appreciate you doing this we were talking before we went live uh it was kind of a last minute thing to get you on we were talking a couple weeks back and it's good to finally have you here though um so i i saw you actually we met for the first time in person over at the Laughing Tap. The Laughing Tap. And I mentioned you're a comedian. Mm -hmm. Killed it, by the way. You think? I thought you killed it. Mm -hmm. there, was some, there was some talent there that night, too. And, and honestly, bro, I've seen you perform a couple of times, and, and yeah. You've Thank been, you. I appreciate that. Yeah, you've been really on your shit, man. Where, the where last, does... In the last month, I've been seeing that, too. I've been, I've been seeing the growth, for sure. It's just I, I changed my jokes, the type of jokes I was writing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just focused more on trying to be funny and less smart. Yeah. You think that's that's probably helped Absolutely. quite a bit? Absolutely. Like, if I want to be the intelligent Dave Chappelle comic, that would eventually come. Yeah. But right now, I just got into the game. So let me learn how to, like, write jokes and perform the jokes. Yeah. And once I started focusing on that and stopped being, like, political, so to speak, in my jokes, mm -hmm. I started becoming mad funny. Yeah. So, yeah, so I just, like... Something I noticed in like the last five months or so. Yeah, because you've been doing it what about a year? You said a little over a year now. Okay, that's mm -hmm. and mad respect, dude. Especially this is not something that happens overnight. Is getting good mm -hmm. at comedy. Uh, that's something that anybody who does it can attest to. And to only be a little bit over a year, and honestly, you're doing phenomenal. So I just want to give you that. give you the flowers while you're here. I know stand up comics sometimes uh, get a little weird about getting compliments, but I really do. <laughs> I really do mean it. You you did phenomenal. Um, and and I mentioned too when I was introducing you, man. You're a journalism or you're a journalist. You're also a podcaster as well um and then you've got this this comic thing thrown in there as well how does being a comedian on one hand go with journalism on the other because we were talking about this beforehand yeah. i was like i feel like there are two very different things and you were correcting me that no they're not i mean if you think about it they're not because comedy is essentially is just it's a form of communication that solicits laughter you know and then you can call it an art 
Mm-hmm. And journalism is a form of communication that informs the public or tells stories that might change the public's opinion on certain things, et cetera, et cetera. But the idea of both of them is that you're still telling a story. If you look at what a reporter is doing, like they'll, they're telling you a story. Yeah. They're not just telling you facts. That's like true. for example, like when you're watching the news, the reporter will go like with the script will read something like, um, um, every year, 500 kids sit together around the tree. They wear pink shirts. And you, like the, yeah. the, you, like the, the, they paint um, a picture. They paint a picture, you know, and like there's the a cadence and there's a setup exactly, and, and it doesn't necessarily lead to a punchline like it does in comedy. That's the difference. Yeah, but they they paint a picture, the way the reporter, the way the journalist is telling you the story. There's a certain cadence in their voice, mm-hmm. and it's kind of the same idea. I think it attracts people who have an interest in bringing ideas to light that not a lot of people have necessarily thought about yeah like if you think about some of the funniest jokes is when it's when a comic brings something to light that nobody thinks about and that's what makes it funny it's like oh shit i didn't even thought about that yeah yeah and that's exactly what journalism observational. is observational. observational yeah it's observational people yeah who like to communicate that those things they observe yeah so if you find that like you're kind of a humorous dude and which like I was kind of always a class clown growing up and I was always the funniest person in every friend group I've ever been in. Kind of a little flex. flex there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, just being honest though. Know. But, you gotta let them know. Um, it's just what it is. And like so that kinda told me with my journalistic chops, I'm like, damn, let me let me give comedy a try. Yeah. And, Would you so because we were again we were so they are sp- similar yeah and we were kind of speaking i think you bring up some very valid points and i think you're right in that in that regard um and we were talking before we went live sort of about kind of what you're looking to do with um with your life and especially with journalism you take it very seriously i wonder do you think because of what we were just talking about the similarities between comedy and journalism do you think that that's what maybe why um people like or or shows like the daily show and John or with John Stewart Trevor or Noah. Trevor Noah now. Absolutely. You think that's why they're so popular? And would you ever be interested in maybe doing something like that, bringing the best of both worlds? Because I could see it. Something like that on my own. I could see it. Something like that on my own terms. But I just, those guys are just so corny nowadays. You, you think it's so? Like, yeah. I think, the, I think the Daily Show is a little corny. Bit. All of those like political comedy, it's so propaganda driven. You think know, so? like I remember, um, I don't care what anyone's COVID um, ideologies were and their perspectives. Yeah. Your shit is your shit. What you think is what you think. I'm not going to impose mine on you. I yeah. don't care. But <laughs> I remember during um, the during the quarantine and the whole COVID situation on the Stephen Colbert show, this guy had a bunch of people in vax vaccine costumes <laughs> really <laughs> like like they were dressing in syringes like syringe costumes like okay. pretending to be vaccines yeah yeah and they're they're doing a vaccine dance and th- is this comedy yeah that, i mean it's funny to make fun of it's, but f- I don't it's know. funny to yeah, laugh yeah, at yeah, yeah. yeah. but like maybe that's not what they were going for are you trying imagine. to yeah are you trying to be laughed at or be left with be in on the you yeah. know what i'm saying 
Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll say I think um, I think especially I think Trevor Noah is a super bright dude. I think um, I do think he he can be really funny, and some of the correspondence are really funny. But I do kind of agree. I think a lot of it is, I won't say in bad faith, but sometimes it's like it's like softballs like they're like let's go to a trump rally and make fun of. and don't get me wrong I, jordan klepper that guy i think he's done some really good stuff but other times it's like they're just like, like let's how many trump rallies that we like we get it you're we, stupid well it's like who, like re, in reality who in, that you know that is like a normal cool person to talk to is going to any political <laughs> rally has the time and is willing to go to any political rally. This is fair. Nobody that you want to spend time with is at any side of, type of rally. Mm -hmm. And I'll just I'll stand on that because there's <laughs> you no. You find the weirdest people at those rallies. Because who the fuck? I saw a, a Fox News interview one time of um a Fox News interview and they were at a liberal rally. Oh and God. They, they just they were just asking people to scream into the microphone because you know how like the joke is like liberals are always screaming yeah 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 and, it, and i'm sure <laughs> and people they were got doing people it. with like green purple hair and these and these so women are just like screaming as loud as they can into the microphone Jesus. <laughs> oh it's just, my god it's, yeah it's just kind of goofy it's like of course it's like i don't know it's like if i go to um the most extreme like heavy metal rock festival and i'm like asking people how they feel about fucking jazz music or like new age like hip-hop like of course they're gonna have we already know what they think it's like when you go to a trump rally and you're exactly. like and you're like hey what do you think was the election stolen it's like don't get me wrong it's fun every once in a while to just see like oh this is how crazy it can get mm -hmm. you know i'm not saying there's no value in showing that but over and over again can be a little repetitive yeah you know? it's like we I like get we it. know, I get well, it. What are you trying to tell us at this point? We can't laugh at the same jokes over and over. Yeah, it's like, yeah, that's that's mm. fair. It could be tough, but maybe you know, maybe you could do something different. Maybe you could you could bring a new uh, energy to that eventually. But like I said, like p political jokes are hard. Yeah, they are hard. That's that's fair. what makes Dave Chappelle so good because like he can walk that line of political jokes and still make the majority of people laugh. Obviously. They're people who are always going to be upset and feel like because they're offended. Yeah. My uh, me being offended matters and you need to handle that. And there's always going to be that demographic of people. But, yeah, Chappelle being able to like um, just kind of walk that line and just play with that the, the political ideologies inside of his comedy a little bit. Yeah. And get away with it for so many years. Yeah, that's he, what makes him the goat, and he's very good at it. But it is tough. It's yeah, it's I would tough. say it's definitely not easy. I mean, even just like the people we're bringing up before that, right? Like they've had missteps, and we're talking about how maybe it's corny, maybe it's whatever. It's like it, with somebody like him, he's he's been doing this for a while, man, and mm -hmm. he's uh, he's very conversational. Like in his for example, I'm gonna tell you a joke that I got massive crickets over because it's kind of political, but objectively, it's funny. Okay. But because it's political and, like, you're on stage, it's a little, uh But if you okay. said it amongst your friends, people will probably laugh. Okay. It was This was during the whole Kyrie Irving situation with the anti-Semitism. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And then, so he got in massive trouble for tweeting out um, something that was labeled as anti-Semitism. It was, like, an Alex Jones documentary link no, or something? No, it was, um, it was just, he just tweeted out a link to a documentary, a, to a documentary that the Anti-Defamation League said had anti-Semitic tropes in okay, it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. 
So the NBA damn near crucified him. They suspended him for like I think it was they suspended him indefinitely, fined him five hundred five hundred thousand dollars. And then they also did something. Oh, they said he had to go through sensitivity training. I did see that. Yeah. And then they um there was a fourth thing. So they they whooped his ass. Yeah. And this was around the same time when um that Brett Favre was in his scandal where he like um imbe- he took money from the city of Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah. To um uh huh. He took money from yeah. the city of Jackson, Mississippi. Was like, wasn't he doing some charity and he like to, ripped to, it off to set up? And it was from he took money from a charity from Jackson, Mississippi, to um to set up um a volleyball arena at his daughter's school under his name. So it would have been the Brett Favre Center. That was right. his intention. Yeah. And this is around the same time, and. The news media wasn't talking about this much, but they're on top of Kyrie Irving and yeah, some bullshit. Like, yeah, yeah we yeah. can debate whether it was anti-Semitic or not. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. this guy, like, we saw what he did, and it, no one's it's talking hard. about. He stole so my the cash, joke yeah. was, um, my joke was, man, we've come a long way as people, but you can't tell me racism doesn't exist. Like, still in a little, like, doesn't exist still. I mean, just look at what happened with Brett Favre and Kyrie. Brett Favre stole five mil- stole millions of dollars from some of the poorest people in America, and the media didn't bat an eye. Kyrie Irving tweets a link to a documentary, and the media goes into a frenzy. You would have thought he slapped a white woman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, shit, objectively, yeah. that's kind of funny because, like, is. you know, black guy, white woman, like, you know, the joke behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you like, better not try that, boy. Like, you know, the joke yeah. behind it. Everybody knows that. If you yeah. said that amongst your friends, people would probably have laughed. But like, it's kind of political. And well, it depends too. If if like, because you're doing it at what like probably open mic or something. It wasn't an open mic. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing too. With like, I think the difference in um, somebody like a Dave Chappelle versus like people that are trying to come up in comedy. He's built it's, a, reputa- a he, reputation. Yeah, and it's like if the people that came to the stadium bought a ticket to see him, like they want to see they that, know that what, kind exactly. of comedy. They there right. So it's like a, a, maybe an open mic. That's what I've noticed just from even going is like. Some people will say some shit that I think is fucking hilarious, and I can see other people in the crowd like, and grimacing. I'm like, we're at a comedy show. Like that like, was funny. Like, Come stop on, stop it. That was funny. I was like, we're at a you comedy know a bat, show. A, 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 a one where I got fifty percent like ooh, they were offended by it. Oh and shit. And then other fifty percent, they were laughing. Okay. But here's the funny thing, though. It was a joke about black people. Like I was making fun of like. I was really making fun of white people, but I said something what would have been offensive to black people. Yeah. And I had white people in the crowd being offended. Being offended on behalf of On behalf of Yeah. They're like, oh, that's so fucked up. Why would you do that to yourself? Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. It's, it's do you not so realize weird. that you're being extremely racist by doing that right now? Yeah. It's like like you're fathering me, basically. They're white knighting you. White yeah. knighting. Yeah, yeah. They don't realize that. But, like, yeah. And then... um. So my joke was, um, I usually use it to close on my set. If I had a good set, my joke was, okay, I'm happy I didn't bomb today because um, bombing can be super humiliating, man. Like, especially um, when you bomb in front of white people. Let me explain. Because when you're bombing, everybody looks up at you with a serious look on their face. Mm -hmm. And they're looking up at you because obviously you're on stage. And the last time this many white people looked up at a nigga he was swinging from a tree jesus christ <laughs> and people were offend, were offended on be- your behalf 50 percent of the people were laughing because it's objectively funny 50 percent of the people were like oh 
And then my follow-up oh. joke, my follow-up joke was like, um, now I feel like I'm swinging from a tree, like based off oh, of the way they were the looking reaction. at me. Yeah, and I'm Jesus like, Christ. and then I and then I followed that up with, um, I followed that up with, um, I was like, why are y'all mad? Y'all the ones who did the shit. Yeah, like, yeah, like, like you're literally being offended because of shit you did yeah. that I'm like being humble enough I'm to joke about. about. Yeah, yeah. Like think about arrogant that actually is. That's- that's hilarious. Like, that's the thing they don't realize. It's like the white knighting. But that's good. I mean, that's pretty... I think it's even funnier that you were quick on your feet, though, to recognize it and call it out and mm-hmm. make another joke out of it. You know, that's a big thing in, in comedy. Especially, it's something that I've been entertaining, the thought of getting on stage for a while, and I really badly want to. I just got to work on the material. But that's something I've... In the research I've done, it's like you just have to be in the moment and present and be able to have those quick wits. Yeah. And, and you had it right there. So that's fucking hilarious. It, it's... Even if you're bombing, you just have to keep going. People are always ask, like, what do you do when, like, you say a joke? Or they'll say, like, I'll be, I'm too afraid to try stand-up because I don't want to say a joke, and then nobody laughs at it. In that mm-hmm. case, you just keep going. Yeah. It's like anything else. You're playing a basketball game, and you take a shot, and you miss a shot. What do you do? You just stop playing? No, you or, like, you, wor- you worry about, yeah, you just, okay, run yeah. back on defense, you keep playing. You yeah. know, finish the rest of your set. Like, you're eventually going to get better. You will have to embarrass yourself. That That's the thing about with other arts, you got to embarrass yourself, struggle in private. Yeah. With stand-up, it has yeah. to be in public in front of other people. Yeah, yeah. Like, you have to, like, there are times, like, not everybody is going to be funny right away. Most people are not going to be funny right away. In the open yeah. mic circuit where everyone's, like, learning their craft and building their craft, there are people who are, like, more seasoned comics who've been around longer who Mm -hmm. i would say it stems from insecurity they're not very motivating to the newer comics like for example everybody bombs but let's say a newer comic is bombing you'll hear some people in the back who've like who are a little bit more seasoned at it like snickering because you're like laughing at you because you're bombing it's like damn and it's just those little things about stand-up it's kind of toxic what makes it up it it's, can. It's almost a rite of. Do you think it's more of a? Do you think it's a rite of passage? Do you think it it makes people get better faster, or do you think it's a little destructive? Depends to, on how big your ego is. Mm. I'm a big ego, so, <laughs> so <laughs> it I can mean, hurt a little bit. No, I. I mean, I've. Oh, I mean, sure, it hurt, but when you have a big ego, you. I feel like you. Well, it goes both ways. But the way my ego works is my big ego works is. I use pain, embarrassment is fuel. Okay. So, like, I've had those times when, like, I had a really bad set, and I was hearing, I looked at the video that I would record my set, I recorded my set on, I watched the video later, and I'll hear comics snickering in the background because I'm not doing good. Damn. Yeah. So that type of shit will be like, all right. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna get yeah, in the gym. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna get in the gym. Exactly. Yeah. So, do you think it depends on how you take it? Yeah. Do you think with the with like the open mic circuits? And I, I've I've heard this from some comics that I was kind of talking to that sometimes it can be difficult um, to know like sometimes the validity of a joke if it's funny in the stand in like the um, the open mic circuit only because sometimes it, if it's full of just comics. 
Because sometimes, yeah, if, if, depending on how if people are like really focused on like, oh, this is what I'm gonna go up and say tonight. This is what I'm whatever, whatever. Obviously, the season guys, they're they know what they're doing. They they can be there and actually watch what you're doing, and maybe they'll you know make fun of it or they'll actually think it's funny, whatever, whatever. Um, but some guys are just you know so worried. I know if I went, let's say next week, and I was like I was going on stage, I'm probably blacking out the whole rest of the night before I go up just focused on like this is what I have to do oh. you know what I'm saying like I'm focused on me and what I have to do and if I'm funny am I being funny and do you think it's difficult sometimes to get laughs from other comics I think it depends on how early you go hmm. so here's the thing it, it, it kind of filters itself out if you go early most if you go early you have a chance to grab the people who are just audience members before they leave because they're not going to stay the whole night. Yeah, it's like yeah. two hours of like amateur comics. Yeah, 80% yeah. aren't going to be funny. Yeah. No one's staying the whole night for that. So they'll stay for like the first 10 comics. Yeah. So if you go early, you get the audience that aren't comics. And then after like the first 10, they start to leave. Yeah. But what happens now? Comics start to finish their set. So now they can just watch comedy and not have to think about their set. Yeah. And then what happens is, okay, now you have comedians in the audience that you can make laugh. Yeah, that's true. To test. So it kind of like filters itself out. But however, it is harder to make comedians laugh just because of that competitive factor. Like Mm -hmm. if you, if you had a, at the end of the day, it's still an art. Everybody wants to be the best at it. Yeah. So it's like, I'm going to listen to your set, but I'm not going to die laughing at your jokes. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, I got you. Mm-hmm, it's I, almost like if, uh, you know, your, your girl starts laughing at your homie's joke a little too hard. You're like, damn near. Yeah. Like, holy mm-hmm. shit. He not that funny. Exactly. There's just so I'm t- funnier than his ass. Just so, I, I don't know if this makes me a jealous person or a competitive person. Cause stand up Is it like sports. Yeah. So it's like, if you're saying, if you're a basketball player and like you say to yourself and you're watching another player play, yeah, and you and you look at it and you're like, I'm better than him, that hits different. It's not as bad as a comic seeing another comic on stage, yeah, like kill and be like, Man, he's not even that funny. I'm better. Yeah. That looks like hating. It's bitterness. But with ba- yeah. that looks like bitterness in comedy. Yeah. But with sports, it looks like competitiveness. So yeah. I'm not sure if it's, if if I'm it's, being competitive or bitter. It's something. That's a question I've been asking myself. It's a fine lately. line, right? Because I know I had a similar issue when I was like, because I I played college basketball, so it was a big part of my life. You played basketball? Yeah. Damn. I still play. Yeah, I still okay. play. But I I was um big. So basketball is like my whole life, mm-hmm. and so I have that same thing where it was like all the time, and I'm a short white dude and i have a man bun now when i'm playing so you can imagine the <laughs> stigma when i walk into a gym people don't think i'm very good um but uh but even then it was just i'm you know i'm just a short little white guy so i had kind of had like that complex too like i really have to kill because people don't think whatever whatever and um you had this competitiveness where you're just like stacking up every single person you're eyeing them up like i'm okay he's whatever he ain't shit he ain't shit and you're beating people down you're just trying to tear other people down when you're playing against them off the court it's whatever mm-hmm. But it can be corrosive in arts because I was I was getting into music and at first I'm having a similar thing where I'm like, oh, this person's this person's trying to do this, too. Like, man, fuck them. I'm going to make better songs. I'm going to make better whatever. It's like, no, you just got to make the best music you can make. Yeah. Or if you're, you know, in the sense of a comic, like you just got to be the funniest version of you. And um, and I think it's better to, to look at it that way than to be like, 
man, fucking. But it's hard not to. It's hard not nature. to. It's human nature. Uh-huh. Yeah, to, to compare and ourselves. And it's like, I know I'm, I've never been that type of dude. Yeah. It just it feels different when you're... Because there's good-natured competition and bad-natured competition. Exactly, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, here's like the good- athletes, they have good-natured competition. Yeah. Like, somebody well, like Larry Bird and Magic Johnson... They're pushing each other to get better. Exactly. Whereas if you but go to a arts, show. in arts, it's hard for it to continue to be good-natured. So you are right. Whereas yeah. like if you're in arts, you need to start. You need to focus more on staying on your lane as opposed to being better or funnier and than the, other people. And I think, too, dude, is, is the collaborative sense of art in general is like it, I think there's just so, so much more upside on building a community with other people that do the same thing as you because it's lonely, dude. Mm-hmm. Like doing like your journey as a stand-up comic, no one else is gonna go through that. There's no one else who's gonna do the same thing and the same jokes in the same way that you're gonna do, and it's coming from the same place that you're coming from. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it unique. But the thing is, there are other people that are maybe not they don't have the same experience, but they're also trying to do this thing in their own way. And when you can find a way to cultivate like a uh, a positive environment where people are like all wanting everybody to win. I just think it's going to make everybody's going to be able to make way better stuff if you know they're not in like this like survivor mindset like oh I just got to get what's mine and I got to keep everyone off my plate and this is this, these fans are mine yeah. and I don't want anybody else da 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 I kind of look at it I guess to to kind of round that out and what I'm trying to get at is like if you look at like some of the best people in like hip hop for instance it's not that they were the greatest for their run which they had phenomenal runs but they also put on the next person like you look at Dr. Dre, fucking N.W., phenomenal, right? But then he signs one of the biggest artists ever, Eminem, mm-hmm. who then has a huge run, who then signs 50 Cent, one of the biggest artists ever. Mm-hmm. And it's like the same thing with uh, with Jay-Z, he's signing J. Cole and all these other pe- people. I think if you can put other people on in positions to win, I think that says almost more about the greatness that somebody has in whatever field it is than whatever they accomplished individually, mm-hmm. which I think is is crazy. Absolutely, and I think that I just think there's something there's something to that. I don't know what it is, and that's what that makes Rogan such a likable guy. Yeah, because he does that. Yeah, and he's his his numbers are so massive too. He could change your life. If you went right. on a show tomorrow, your life will be completely 180. Seriously, people <laughs> like, start watching my podcast. Yeah, yeah, like dead ass. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, dude, you would it. Yeah, that's what's great. It's like he gives you, like he he gives you an audience. Yeah, especially if and that, I think that's crazy. Like, and he does that. I believe I don't know if this is still the case. I know as of like a couple of years ago, he was doing still all the scheduling himself. He like, still does it. He does still do it. That's He's, wild. I've kind of tuned still, out a little bit. But I think maybe someone like will probably vet people for vet him. people for him to ask like what do you think about this guy like this is a hot topic in society right now like would you like to have him on the show yeah this guy's been um trending lately would you like to talk about it yeah yeah, but, uh, yeah and they 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 bring it through him and then he has to give it the green light that's probably what happens now I would yeah assume. but i think yeah i think that's why and i think um i don't know i mean obviously things can get clicky and whatnot but i think if you just put on for all for all the people that that you genuinely believe in and i think if everybody just supports each other a little bit more and comics if you're at an open mic you know stay as long as you can to root for the other comic and give them some feedback i think that's good too you know Mm -hmm. um but uh so aside from aside from the comedy then you mentioned there the podcast Mm -hmm. how does comedy and the journalism 
kind of intertwine into the podcast that you've got. And you can you I want you to plug it right here too. The, I want to name drop. The Greatly Destined Podcast. That's what's called on YouTube, the Greatly Destined Podcast. On Instagram is the TGD podcast and also on TikTok, the TGD podcast. There we go. Um that came up because I I love interviewing people. I mean I mean I'm a journalist at heart. That was my first passion. The comedy came later. Comedy came in the last comedy was an idea that came into my head about two years ago and then I acted on it last year that's um, dope and I immediately fell in love with it so that's one of my passions now I've, not, I've proven to myself that you definitely can have multiple passions in life no doubt yeah I feel like sometimes I probably used to deal with I used to deal with this too sometimes in society we get programmed to just look at ourselves as one thing mm. you know yeah and I feel like that's what makes me so interesting is that like a journalist, a comedian. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then a podcaster, like, mm. you know, the podcast, I feel like kind of takes the best of both. And I was mentioning this and it does. Mm. I, I was mentioning this to you before we went live and I, I want to shout it out again. You interviewed Jeffrey, one of Jeffrey Dahmer's real neighbors. Yeah. And I know he, he had done, I think he's done a couple other interviews he's as well. On Netflix and he's on a, he is, um, he's featured on A and E. He's got a book now too, right? And he also has a book. Yeah, and and I um and even I, I I'm not all the way through it, but I I was like part of the way through, maybe like a quarter or so, and then I'm even just reading some of the feedback you're getting on it. Like people are taking notice, and I did as well of just the the level of professionalism, and the way that you were able to. We were joking about it before we went live. You mentioned a friend of yours was like, "Man, why are you joking about whatever, whatever? This is a serious thing, mm -hmm. right?" And I was arguing like, well, dude, if if this is a serious thing and you want to get to, you know, more vulnerable and authentic topics and places in the conversation, the the tool of comedy drops people's guard. It like allows people to be their real self when you can like in the most dire or serious of conversations be able to still make somebody laugh. It loosens them up a little bit. Yeah, yeah dude, that's gonna That's where you're going to find the gems. Mm -hmm. That's where you're going to really get to the bottom of things. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I again, want to give you your flowers on that. But Appreciate I think, thank you. Um, I think people, people can tell, man. And how was, what was that experience like? First off, how'd you get in touch with his, with his neighbor? And, mm -hmm. uh, how, how did that, that play out? So actually, um, I knew I, I wanted to get my hands on the Dahmer story once the Netflix series came out. Mm -hmm. Just being in Milwaukee and while, while watching it and just as large as the whole Dahmer situation is. Yeah. And I actually live very close to where all of that stuff is going down. Oh, I live that's in that fun. neighborhood. Mm -hmm. well, yeah. I live like a couple blocks away from it. And um, being in Milwaukee, living in Milwaukee, watching that on Netflix and then watching the documentary later, it just made it feel so real. You know Milwaukee actually had the lowest viewership out of every out of any city in the uh the country that watched that Netflix series. Really? Cuz it's real to them. Yeah. Like we turned the media has turned Jeffrey Dahmer into Freddy Krueger. Yeah, he's like a celebrity he, almost. Like he's a fictional figure almost. Pe people were, I think, yeah, there was a big controversy. There's people dressing fan up. bases. Yeah, they people dress as him for, for Halloween. Halloween. Yeah, their fan pages on on social media. He it, they made him a Freddy Krueger adjacent. Yeah, people don't look at Jeffrey Dahmer, Jeff Dahmer as a human being. Yeah, that who was people. living here in Milwaukee on Twentieth Street 
that was killing and eating motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, that's wild, bro. And they probably not seasoning bro, them. And no, yeah, it's white. <laughs> no, not with those glasses, bro. You don't, you don't know anything about that. But dude, it's like there are people I know. I'm not gonna put nobody on, but I know I know women that think he is attractive. I see that on social media. That's me- wild to me. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? The psychology right now? of a woman is always. I don't know if any scientist in the world will ever be able to put the T on that. There's no way for you to capture the essence. You can't. There are ladies out here that are attracted to killers, bro. Serial killers. And like, you cannibals. know, he was out here killing motherfuckers and eating ass, literally eating ass, yeah. and you're attracted to him. He did, yeah. The highest level of ass. He had eatery. booty cheeks mm. in his mouth, and you're attracted to him. Yeah, what Come you, on now. What do you think the macros is on, um, you know, uh, uh, some booty cheeks? For the macros? Yeah, what do you think the macros? You think he was tracking his diet? You think he had a, any dietary tracking? You think he was trying to bulk up? You think booty slim are you, down? Are you asking if booty cheeks calories. has any calories? Yeah, what is it? What is the calories? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out, like, what's the protein, carbohydrates, the complex, what are we talking oh, about? I feel like it depends on the person. Yeah. He was, he was Let me men, this question, right? What would be a healthier person to eat? Would it be, like, a fat person or a muscular person? I, I feel like a fat person has a lot of flesh. They would probably they'll fill you up and like be for survival. I think you'd want like like dad bod because that's like skinny fat, right? Where it's like there's still some lean meat because that's healthy. where the protein is, or it's not terrible, but you have a little bit of fat for some mm. flavor. Why do we sound like cannibalists right now? I don't know. <laughs> We're really going it's, into that conversation. It's Milwaukee, bro. It's rubbing off of us. He's not <laughs> far. He's not far from us. So, but Muffle. so, how'd you get in touch with uh, with his neighbor? I forget his name off the top of my head. Uh, Verno Vernel Bass. Vernel so, Bass. um, um, so I was watching the Netflix series, and I immediately realized, like, I wanted to get on that interview. So I wanted to interview somebody who was connected to it. So me being a reporter, I thought, okay, maybe I get a journalist. Um, I forgot what his name is. Is Jeff something was the journalist who works who worked worked for TMJ Four, the NBC affiliate here in Milwaukee at the time in 1991. He broke the news. Oh wow! Like he was the first reporter on the scene. So and he still lives here in Milwaukee. He like works for the mayor's office now. So I contacted him. I wanted him to get on the show. He said he politely declined. Yeah. So then I was in a kind of a rut. I didn't know who to contact. Um, there's a guy who actually who I actually work with at PBS who worked with uh, the Milwaukee Sentinel at the time. I didn't want to get him on the show because of conflict of interest. Like we work at the same place and um, mm. our regular job. So I didn't want to get him on the show. So now I'm just I was like at a loss. That end and of then I watched the documentary again. I'm like, for now, Bass got on Facebook, looked this dude up on Facebook, DM'd him. End of easy. story. And you got end him. the story. Yeah, that's sweet, dude. End the story. And you did a phenomenal. And again, I haven't gone through the whole thing yet. I plan on watching the rest of it. But you did, from what I saw, you were just conducted a very well, well done interview. Thank you. Um, and um, I'm curious. Again, I haven't gone to the whole thing. What are, what is something after you had some time to let that sit and like digest all the information that was just given to you that you were like, holy shit. Like what was like one thing that was like a big takeaway that after you had some time to sit with it? Because obviously when you're doing an interview as you're you're in the moment, you're you know, you're getting through the things you got to get through 
after you had some time to sit with it, what were you, what were your thoughts? Are you talking about like just the interview with him? Like thoughts on the situation, his perspective, anything new he brought to light? The craziest thing that shocked me. He was. Um, I, I thought know. part of, part of your interview. I'm I'm pretty sure there was a portion that I was listening to where. Um, I think you you actually cracked a joke there where they were you were talking about like the the thing about him handing out sandwiches and how that like wasn't oh yeah okay so that was uh huh I thought that was kind of interesting because that's a myth right that he was like the sandwich wood thing wasn't so Vernal Bass is, did you watch the the series I didn't watch the series no okay uh, yours is the uh, this is what I've seen is your stuff so I okay seen this. so there was a lady on the show whose name was um. I'm forgetting what her name was, but she was playing Linda, Glenda Cleveland. Glenda Cleveland was her name. So okay. she played, she portrayed the character Glenda Cleveland, who was a real life woman in Milwaukee around the Jeffrey Dahmer situation. Glenda Cleveland was the supposed neighbor in the Netflix series, but in real life, she actually wasn't even living in the building. She lived in a building across like the street. Oh, okay. But she was the one who called the police on, um, who was there when the police showed up when Jeffrey Dahmer was uh, taking an Asian kid back into his apartment after he drugged him. So the movie, so Netflix decided, huh, because Glenda Cleveland, this is, this is what Vernal said, because Glenda Cleveland has passed away now, we can just take her, use her as the character and say she was the neighbor. So we don't have to pay anybody who's still alive for their likeness, who was the actual neighbor. Yeah. So that's what Vernal Vernal Bass's idea was that why they didn't make a character out of him and his wife at the time, a woman named Pamela Bass. And Pamela mm-hmm. Bass, um, according to Vernal, they're divorced now. According to Vernal, um, he believed that Pamela was kind of like you know like dipping into 15 minutes of fame a little bit too much with all the media cameras coming around asking questions like what was it like living next to Jeffrey Dahmer you know because they essentially became celebrities after that everybody across America knew them because they were Jeffrey Dahmer's neighbors right across the hall yeah closest access so local local news was interviewing them national news radio shows so they became known and what Vernal was saying was that Pamela began to make up stories that weren't true like, you know, after a while, after five years removed of the Jeffrey Dahmer situation, people aren't going to care about it as much. Yeah. But then she's like, oh, there was a time when he made me a sandwich. And yeah, this yeah. is something nobody's ever heard. So, oh, yes, yeah, sandwich. I never heard that before. Wow, so sandwich. it brings. Uh, exactly. So yeah. that's what Vernon was saying. Like it it brings attention back to her. Mm. So she would start certain rumors. And um, the sandwich was one of them. And then that's how that rumor got out there. So you see it in the Netflix series where Jeffrey Dahmer offers his neighbor a sandwich, and that just never happened. Wow. Mm-hmm. And the, the lady, the neighbor herself, just wasn't even his neighbor. Yeah, isn't so that, that kind of crazy shocking. how a, a myth like mm-hmm. that could just, like, spiral and, like, snowball into something yeah. that ends up being – now it's in a movie that's, like – But I think the producers knew that that was just a myth. It's a myth that would – they wanted to run run with because it was cheaper for them to run with. Yeah, so. it's entertaining. People are like, wow, that's so neat. Why would he, you know? I feel like if they made it Vernal Bass, it would have been more entertaining because it would have been man-to-man. Mm. Like, 
it would have been a man that's like that was curious about what was in Jeffrey Dahmer's um apartment. A man who has like protect his. I don't know. Do just like the writer in my mind, that would have been a more of a, a an interesting dynamic as opposed to a single woman. I could see it either way. I think I, I think I I could a, see it either way. But I personally felt like it may have been more interesting if they just made it Bernard Bass as the neighbor. I think it is. I think it's kind of wild that they chose somebody that, or if obviously this is a legend, we don't know if that's exactly why they did it, but I'm sure mm-hmm. that played a factor into why they chose the character that they did is that they were passed away. I think that's kind of wild. Um, but he was, if I, I don't, I'm not like super big on the the Dahmer lore. Wasn't he into? It was like mostly men, right? It wasn't that. Dahmer his victims? was gay. Yeah, yeah, they were all men. Were his victims? He I was believe. gay. So it's like I think maybe that aspect of having it also be a man might have been a, something to play on, like that. That would have been kind of interesting, especially the time period. Exactly, and there the wasn't time a period, lot of that's what I'm saying. openness there was just, towards mm, that. I like it would have been better if they just made it for now best. Yeah, that's that's interesting to think about. I think it's just wild um, how popular, like we were talking about earlier, that it's and gotten. And then him and Vernell Bass actually, in the interview, I was talking about how they actually had a close relationship. Oh, um, they they taught they spoke like as close as neighbors, friendly neighbors get. Cordial, you know, cordial neighbors get like they would invite each other into the. Their apartments every now and then for a beer, asked to borrow cigarettes. Um, Jeffrey Dahmer actually lended Vernell sixty dollars one time to help him buy a gift for his sister because he didn't have money, and so like yeah, they were getting that type of close as neighbors go. Yeah, just friendly, supportive neighbors, and like if you put that into that that into the movie and behind closed doors, he's a fucking serial killer. Yeah, that's way more interesting than. Yeah, a random lady who called the cops once. Why do you think um, serial killers in general are so almost fetishized in like media sense? Why are they so sought after? Because it's an interesting story. It's a story we can never understand. I think that's why we watch content. That's why we watch entertainment. It's it's something that that takes us away and keeps our mind off of our everyday lives. A serial killer. That's something that we can never put our fingers on you know what i'm saying that's something that we can never pinpoint like what makes them so evil obviously childhood trauma and all of that but there are other people who have childhood trauma that aren't serial killers yeah so it's the mystery behind them that it's the mystery behind them essentially you think yeah the mystery that drives the interest i could see Definitely. that i have friends that are, are big into um just anything to do with with like killing killer stories and stuff no, like that serial killer stuff. Mm-hmm. it's popular it's a popular genre of stuff i've um, noticed there's a big thing amongst women yeah yeah there's a the the podcast what is it the murder mystery podcasts mm-hmm. are big like are if big. you look in my comments it is a lot of ladies in the comments yeah mm-hmm. they were looking for some Dahmer content you know yeah. that's what <laughs> that's it's what very it was interesting it, it's kind of wild um uh, so piv- pivoting mm. from there then right so you I, I think you you really showed your journalistic chops on that interview and I so I that's why I wanted to touch on it a little bit and kind of speaking of um your journalistic chops that video is doing well too that's your best video I think mm-hmm. right viewership right, 30, wise 30,000 views yeah. so far with um but so you you work with PBS mm-hmm. as well um What's that about, man? What are you doing over at PBS? First off, congrats, because that's awesome, especially if journalism is something that, you know, you want to be involved with. Um, what are you doing over there, man? Let us know what's happening. Uh, PBS, I'm, um, I'm a reporter and producer on a show called Black Nouveau. Okay. And um, I've been with them since January of last year. My first story aired with them in March of last year. Okay. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's real cool. Favorite story that you've worked on? 
probably my first one. Um, you're are you like a big time basketball fan? Pretty. I don't not. I don't really follow. Do a lot you know of pro who stuff uh, Patrick anymore? Baldwin Jr. is? Oh yeah. Yeah, that was my first story with PBS. I interviewed him and his dad because you know his dad was I his coach last that, year. Yeah. You saw a clip of the interview? Yeah, I saw it oh, was on my Instagram. Instagram I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, was it getting viral? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I saw a clip of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But um, that was probably my um favorite interview so far, just because of the notoriety of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is that like uh, when you're interviewing? I saw too. You got to maybe it was on Instagram or something. You got to sit down with Kyle Korver for a few minutes on at like a practice or something. Yeah, that was a few years ago. What was your question? I'm sorry, I kind of. I was going to say, what is like. How how do you get into um, the right mindset to interview somebody like when you know they're like a big name? Because it's different, you know. Obviously, I, even myself when I'm interviewing people, sometimes I'm interviewing people that are just my friend, someone I know, right? And other times I'm interviewing somebody that maybe has like six hundred thousand, eight hundred thousand followers on social media or something. You know, how do you manage that when you know like this person is like, oh, they're like for re- like they're relevant right now, and I'm trying to come up. How do you approach that? Do you approach it any differently? I approach it definitely differently. Like the Dahmer, Dahmer interview, for example, um, because the, the Netflix special just came out, I knew I had to make sure to upgrade my cameras for that one episode. So, like, if you notice, there was a difference in the video quality, mm-hmm. and I had to pay. Uh, I usually do everything myself with the editing, the, the setting up, the audio, setting, setting up the audio, and I had to pay... Um, uh, uh, I had to pay a friend to help me do all that. He's good with audio and all that tech stuff. Yeah. And I had to pay him to help me for that, for that specific interview. You're like, I need everything unlocked. We're not so messing this up. So what I would say, yeah, is when with those certain things, I want someone to handle all of the equipment, technology, and let me just focus on the questions. Being the best, you know, Being interviewer, Being the best interviewer, journalist. exactly. Yeah. So with big time interviews like that, I feel like that's probably how I will prepare just understand that it's a little bit more serious and invest a little bit more so because I understand that I'm going to get more eyeballs. I knew I was going to get – I wasn't expecting – I was – my goal was te- – my goal was 30,000, which I'm about to reach, 30,000 views, mm-hmm. but the expectation was 10,000. Okay. Um, but I knew it was going to be a lot of views because of the – interview itself like yeah. every, well, a lot of people would like to hear from jeffrey Dahmer's neighbor yeah so i anticipated that so therefore i made sure my camera quality was better i paid a friend to bring his um sony a7 III, like a lot better camera than i have yeah and then he just did all those things for me that's got to be kind of exciting you know knowing going into something like especially you know when you're trying to start up your own thing you're doing your own stuff i mean you're what like 11 episodes in now we were talking and um you know you're you're grinding, you're putting a lot of your own money and your own time up and you're just trying to get this thing off the ground, but it's got to be pretty exciting, like leading up to something that you're like, I've got a pretty good idea. This is going to do well. Like this is going to do at least better than what I've been doing because of the notoriety of the person. Mm -hmm. And that's got to be exciting and a little bit uh, validating as well. Like, you know, the work I'm putting in is worth it and the skills even just in getting this done, whether it's noticed, that's what mattered the most to me. Yeah. Everyone in the comments saying like, like good interview, like I'm really like you asked the right questions, you made him feel comfortable. It's just like people noticing that the interview was good. Yeah, that's what makes me feel. Mm. Yeah, it's important, and and that yeah, being seen, getting those eyeballs, and um, you know, just getting the 
the those the eyeballs and the traffic will then hopefully correlate to people checking out some other stuff and seeing like man this guy's he's about it like mm. he can really do it i think that's what's cool about those big moments you mm. know um and it and it helps uh you know i think you rose to the occasion right you had these things that you maybe you saw as like holes in your game or things you didn't want to deal with in the, uh, that type of scenario and you're like i'm gonna get these done i'm gonna yeah. outsource this and outsource this so i can just be the best mm -hmm. and i think that was the right move um a hundred percent but you said you we were talking before we went live talking milwaukee we're talking down we're talking being around the area you've been in milwaukee like a year now you said just about a year about a year um and we were t we were talking before we went live you're a single guy yes sir how is dating in the city of milwaukee Dating in the city of Milwaukee. Are you dating, or is it something that you're just like? You talking about if, casual dating? Is it like if, if it happens, it happens, or are you like actively like on sites trying to meet people? Yeah, I casually date, yeah. Okay. What what it, what uh, what's the city of Milwaukee look like on the dating scene? Collegey. Collegey. How Collegy. old are you? By the I'm way, I'm twenty four. Twenty four. Okay. Like if you go out, I noticed. There's like to on Brady Street or Water Street. Yeah, I've noticed like there's a lot of college kids, and they just kind of want to hang out with college kids. You, you know feel, what I'm saying? You like, do you feel left out being 24? I'm 24 as well. So I, I graduated. I'm starting to feel like older. Uh huh. I'm yeah. Starting to feel. Uh huh. And like I'll go to the bar and like I'll okay Marquette girls, UWM girls. They're 21. I'm 24. That's cool. Yeah. Talking to them, saucing them flirting yeah it's working doing what you gotta do but then get the number but this is the college girls at least but then you know nice over we part ways and then nothing comes of it because i'm thinking like okay like because they're in their little because i remember what i was my, my mindset was like when i was in college on the campus like you're not really trying to like you live in a little bubble you do. and like that's just the way your mind it's works like and you're not really like trying to make friends with anyone or talk to anyone who doesn't go to your school it's like um i i kind of think of it you're as you're still a, in that school mindset you know you're in yeah and you're almost in like um like a pre-adult limbo like it's like yeah it's a little bit more like the real world mm -hmm. but it's like you're still like in a fucking dorm bro like yeah. you, you're in a dorm it's, it's you a still taste have, of what the real world is gonna be yeah but it's not fully there yet it's so not like, fully there yet the only thing is it's the real world like emotionally and like when it comes to responsibility so your mom's no longer there to tell you to get your homework done clean your room and none of that stuff yeah so that's when it's starting to become like that's the taste you're starting to get and yeah. like mom's not there to like you had a bad night you, like let's say like a um a college girl or something freshman girl had a bad night with her friends somebody said something made her feel bad in high school she would have come home crying a good mother would know, babe, what's wrong? What happened? Yeah. Oh, this happened. Caitlin said this to me tonight, and and uh, Maria just watched her, and I feel terrible. And then yeah. that would have happened in high school. But now in college, it gets even cattier, and oh, you yeah. don't got mama to go home and talk to. So to sit like that is, uh-huh. Yeah, it can be That's difficult. That's the stuff that creates more of the real life sense. Yeah, and I think um, it's yeah you're like a step, but you're not fully there. So maybe mm -hmm. that's like where sometimes it's just a little taste. Uh -huh. that, sometimes that's where I think the disconnect. Um, and it's not like we're fucking old, but like as 24 year olds, you know, when you've already graduated, you've already gone through college. It's like uh, sometimes there is we are like, in the beginning of the real world. Yeah. And they're still in like a they still have a little bit of a cushion where it's like, man, they yeah. still have a T.A. If they need it, they mm -hmm. have a question or they were like, who the fuck do you go to if there's a problem at work and your fucking boss isn't around? Like, you got to figure that shit out. Like, even us at 24. 
somebody said you got to be you got to get to like 50 years old to realize how young you are in your 20s even us in our 20s we have been in the beginning of the real real world but we're not like there there yet because there's so much mm. shit that hasn't happened that's gonna happen that's gonna test our strength you know what i'm saying that just that. hasn't happened yet like parents getting older um financial struggles you know like right now like I'm single. You live here with your girlfriend. Just two people for you. One person for me. It's easy financial situation. We can take care of ourselves. Yeah. So let the kids come and like certain things like that. Kids. That's, you get uh-huh. some pets for the kids. They uh-huh. they, they overfeed so, the like, pets. There's a, there's a whole real world we haven't seen yet. So like I for sure. Yeah. We're not that old yet. So so you're out. You're take me through this then. So you you what's what's going on? Are you looking to meet someone then? Do you want to meet somebody? Would that be a goal of yours, or is that something you're just like Listen, if it man, happens? I don't. If it happens, you're not man, I have about never it. been the guy that like oh it's time for a girlfriend. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I like I I do stand up comedy. I'm a podcaster and a, and a journalist. Like I've, I've I have a lot of goals, and it's just when you have that type of mindset, looking for a woman just doesn't come with it. Yeah. Like you can't be you're not wired to be the type of guy that looks for a woman. It's like, you know, women come around, things happen and when something serious happens, happens. You happen. let it you yeah, let it exactly. happen that way. Yeah. Do you do you think being um a stand up comic if if and when people like find that out, maybe a girl you're speaking to or whatever, do you think that uh that would be a, a red flag or a turn on for them? Depends on the girl. That's a good question, man, because I've seen both. Yeah, because that's I'm, what I have a joke that I'm trying to trying to work on about being a podcaster and that being a red flag. That's a red flag. Because it is. I don't I, like talking. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't like telling people that I, like right out the gate. Oh, I don't tell them at all. I'm like they find out on their own. They're like, I followed you on Instagram. I saw you got tagged in some podcast. What is that? I'm like, oh shit. Like I'm not trying to tell you about that. Like, yeah, that's just, a red flag. People, for sure. people, if they if that's your first thing coming out of your mouth, like someone's like, hey, I'm so and so. I have a podcast. I'm like, fuck, dude. <laughs> God damn! I'm like this guy is, uh, yeah, yeah. some Infowars, Info scary shit right here. I like some Andrew Tate shit. Yeah, women need to stay in their place. <laughs> oh, like some shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Do you? So man. have you ever had a uh, an instance maybe where you're you're kind of chatting with somebody and uh, maybe it comes up and then the reaction you got was not uh, what you were looking for? So I was actually out on a date last week and um it came up that I do stand up comedy. Because she's she actually has me on Snapchat. And she had me on Snapchat for a minute before we went out. Okay. And like she saw the one I'll be posting my sets, and then she asked me how's my stand up, and I was like, it's good, it's going. And then um, and then I said when I get good enough, like maybe you can come out and see me sometime. And she was like, I'm gonna be honest, I don't like stand up comedy. Like I I I'll, I'll support you, but like <laughs> that's just like but a, a lot of girls feel this way. It's both sides. Like you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. it's either it's a turn on or it's a red flag. Maybe to her, like the stand up comedy portion was kind of red flaggy, and she like she probably wouldn't have wanted to see me in that light. That's what she was saying, maybe. Yeah. But anybody ever hit on you after a show? Absolutely. And then that's <laughs> when um that like those are the type of girls that it does work on. I think it just depends. Like. To be a stand-up comedy comedian, you have to have a lot of charisma. Yeah. And, and exaggerated charisma, almost. And charisma to anybody is usually seen as attractive. It, not all the time. Obnoxious isn't, but if you're charismatic, I think anybody I think wants charisma. charismatic and charming. 
ladies like charming. They don't. They don't always Maybe. like charisma. Like Tucker Carlson from Fox News, he has charisma. Is he, he does have charisma. You see him pulling ladies. <laughs> I mean, I don't know with that Maybe, hair. Exactly. Not with that hair. Sean Hannity. <laughs> yeah. These guys. Donald Trump. You see them like those guys have charisma, but I can't see them. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, yeah. have you know having the yeah, charm yeah, yeah. so it's, it's, it's two different it's things. two different things and some girls like charisma like i'm sure some girls get wet by watching sean hannity i hope get not. into it i hope not liberals <laughs> we told you they're coming the left he looks like this a, is what they do <laughs> like sean hannity there are a lot like of a, ladies that probably get turned because it's charismatic like you know what i'm saying yeah i don't know man he looks like a thumb thumb from spike kids, a thumb bro. thumb from yeah, spike kids you know, the little fucking thumbs sean hannity is a charismatic dude dog. he give is him that. Like, I, give, I like yeah. I, I like listening to him talk oh no i don't always <laughs> <laughs> no, i don't fucking listen to him speak ever his voice my ears start bleeding i'm not gonna do that <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, he's got some he's got some charisma. I don't agree that. with him, but I like to hear what he has to say. You turn that on before you go to sleep. You just in the headphones, <laughs> gonna lean back, listen to some Sean Hannity. Listen, like I like to hear what, and that's charisma. Listen like, to some dog you know whistles. Saying? Like he's he's his his charismatic power forces you to at least hear him out. Mm, yeah, and that's the thing about stand up. Like that's the thing comics have a good comic will have. And I don't know if all women will be into that. Because it's a little forceful, too. Yeah. I feel like women like sensitivity, a little softer, you know what everybody, I mean? And everybody's different. So, like, those are know? the little cues about stand-up comedy that might turn them. Because they'll, they'll instantly think, oh, you're a goofball. You play yeah. too much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think people could confuse, like, a stage, which is, like, a heightened persona, Mm-hmm. With like your actual yeah. personality, right? And then they might be like, "Oh, they th- might think you're one way, or think you really think something that you joked about." But you know something that's funny? Most stand-up comedians are completely opposite from how they are on stage. A lot of stand-ups are actually really shy people. Yeah, very shy people. Like it takes obviously, like after a while, after going to these open mics, um, often enough, you're gonna like start creating friends that you're comfortable with. Yeah, but like. When you first come and it takes months, like even to, even till today, like just stand up comedians were like very awkward, self conscious people. You know what I'm saying? I think you like think you almost have to be a little bit to be good at it, like to be good at the thing because because of, that's what observe. You have to be a little self. You have to be a self conscious person to be observant. Yeah, or a conscious to be person extra to be observant, observant, right? To be extra yeah. observant, and that's what makes a good comic is the observation. Pointing out things that other people may not have seen. Yeah, you know and that I mean? comes from being insecure about everything, or worried about things, or even anxious and stuff exactly. like that. Exactly. So yeah, that makes sense. What I guess uh, uh, the last thing on the on the dating scene is um, any. What's the most wild thing someone's ever said to you as like a pickup line or trying to get your number? Most I like your face. I like your face. That's not that bad though. That's it's a little blunt. Coming it's from blunt, me. but yeah. that's. I mean that's that works. That, that's one that stuck with me. That works on men though. That doesn't work the other way around. I don't think. I think that's one that I could say. I think if I went up to a, a girl and was like, "I like your face," <laughs> they'd think I'm dumb. <laughs> you know, they think that's what they think. They're not gonna be like, "Wow, I'm gonna." I whatever. like your face. You know, that's it's not gonna work. Other way but around. Like yeah, maybe. that was very. I never got like that. I never got it that blunt before. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, throw mm-hmm. you off a little bit, drop yeah. your guard. That's yeah, fair. drop my guard. It's a little bit. Yeah, but yeah. When you said that, yeah, that was a recent one. She rizzed you up. 
that's Riz. Yeah, that's Riz right that's there. That's female Riz. What do you think the difference between female Riz and male Riz is? I think um, if it were like a video game and you had to have like level, you had to like level up with experience. I think it takes a lot less experience to have the Riz if you're a, a woman. So it's like a woman Riz is like playing with the game sliders all the way up. Yeah, yeah, you're turning okay. the three point slider all I the way up you. in two K. I got cut. you. Yeah, yeah, it's um. I think you have a joke similar. I do, I do. do. Yeah, I, I was wanna, literally I'm not gonna just thought of that. I didn't want to, because I already gave head. out two jokes today, yeah. so I didn't want to give out No, I don't want you one. to either, but it mm-hmm. popped into my head right when you said that. Um, then that's, yeah, that's fucking, that's funny. Um, what What's this, too? What's the funniest thing someone's ever assumed about you? Hmm. Something that, that cracked you up after you, you thought you, about it. A girl? Anybody. Or? Could be a girl, could be anybody. Could be another comic, could be uh, somebody at work. Actually, I'm a... S- I'm gonna combine this with the last question you just. Um, I'm gonna combine this with the last question you just asked. The other day, I was at the high note um, after an open mic, and they started to do their karaoke. So there were a bunch of like Marquette girls that started to come in, and one of them, uh, she was like talking to me, and she told me. Um, I forgot how this came up. Oh, cause I asked her if she was going up and like, I forget if she's going to do any like karaoke. And she was like, uh, no, I already went up. Um, they didn't have my favorite song. Um, fuck the police by NWA. <laughs> so that's, that's fucking weird, bro. So Did like, she the, say that, like, hoping I that swear to God, bro, this literally just happened on Friday. <laughs> that's just last Friday. That's like real life. Like virtue signaling like real life Literally, virtue signal tweeting like the, jesus fuck man so i just want you to know i don't know you at all <laughs> but i love nwa <laughs> i, I love hate them. the police i fucking hate those guys <laughs> so it's funny so that's why i said i'll be combining the last two questions wow because like think about it now that's probably the weirdest pickup line that's a wild thing to say and then um or one of the weirdest <laughs> And then the fact that she just assumed I hate the police because I'm black. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> like, fucking hilarious, dude. <laughs> Holy shit. Is, do you think, too, it, kind of knowing, because obviously, I'm going to say this, man. You you really do. You, you've you been conducting yourself very well when I've been watching it. I've seen you perform a few times, like I was saying, in stand-up comedy. And as somebody who's looking to get into it, you know, taking notes on what people do and how they carry themselves. Do you think the tools that you've been learning in stand-up comedy help you um, – to maybe like see the the funny in life a little bit more now that you've been getting better at that because at first i feel like maybe when you're getting into stand-up you're like okay what are the things i think are funny like let me try to figure out how to set up punchline set up punchline whatever whatever and now that you already have kind of like the basics of the tools down you think you're seeing it more and more because i mean even like a situation like that there's no way you like some girl says that to you and you're like this is fucking hilarious like this is wild. like obviously it's Mm -hmm. fucked up but it's definitely funny. It's like, def- it's funny. Yeah, absolutely. It makes it, get, it creates more of a sense of humor, and you just let go more. Yeah, that's why like a lot of c- comedians don't. It's never things are never that serious, man. Yeah, never that serious. That's why I think it'd be more. F- I don't know. That's, what, that's something again where I've been just going to like comedy clubs to try to just be around comedians more because that's what like the kind of people I want to be around. Yeah. I don't want to be like I don't want to have to like walk on eggshells for every single thing I'm talking about and like. You know, sometimes like, you just want to say some funny shit. Like, they were literally, like, comedians, like, I don't do roast battles because I'm too sensitive for roast battles. I wouldn't be able to handle I don't want either. someone to say shit to me that's going to hurt my feelings, and now I'm just on stage stuttering, stuck, don't know what to say back to <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah. Like, that's double the embarrassment of stand-up. Like, yeah. this, like, not only are you bombing, you're also bombing while being 
grilled. Yeah. <laughs> like, so... Yeah, it's so like getting no. crossed up and then getting mm, pissed on. My that's God. What that Literally. <laughs> that's what that is. Literally. I, I, no. I stay far away from roasting as possible. Yeah. But the fact that, like, stand-up comics actually do that as a sport and, like... Like they do this like once once a month they have in the Milwaukee scene and all over the country like all circuits will have a, a roast session where all the comics get together they um put one comic up versus another and they just go at it God damn a roast session and comedians love this yeah they're good sports about this it brings them closer together it's a weird sight yeah you know what I'm saying wow I could I mean hey so I could see like, it it just teaches like shit's really not that serious yeah man. people are out here. Picking, bullying you about your biggest flaws and fuck-ups in life. And you're just all, yeah, we all have flaws and we all fuck up. Let's just laugh about it together. It's almost mm-hmm. like, dude, I feel like that, you know what, I, when you were speaking on that, it made me think of, like, almost like working out in a sense where it's like, you know, to build a muscle, you got to tear it down and it's going to rebuild stronger. And doing something like that, putting yourself in an environment where everything is going to be out in the open and nothing's off limit. You're going to get torn to shreds. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's going to make it a lot easier to get back up on stage and That's, do a regular comedy. Set. Yeah, it does for sure. Yeah. That's all. It's also just helps you in life too. That's why a lot of, um, um, I know my brother has been trying to get into stand up lately because his, um, the therapist he's been seeing um, uh, recommended it, and that's a wild therapist. That's no, a wild but a lot of I I also met another person whose therapist recommended it. What the you have fuck? to think about it though, because like if somebody is dealing with um, fear of trying new things, yeah, and fear of judgment of other people, yeah, what is the best way to just like that you can have easy access to that is cost efficient it doesn't cost anything to go to an open mic and put your name down i guess yeah cost efficient force yourself to get over that fear of people judging you get over that fear of not doing well um it's something you're exactly because you're new to it so you're not going to do exactly and just that fear of trying new things and stand up is probably the most frightening thing somebody could think of that we have easy access to. Like, yeah, you know I, I, I was gonna say I was gonna say I disagree, but then when you said when you brought up the point that it is it's free, you know, to perform an open mic most of the time. Mm-hmm. I think you're you are right in that sense because I would say like you know maybe yoga or a dance class would be a little well, less a little less like you're gonna be embarrassed because everyone's gonna know you don't know what you're doing, but you're not gonna be like let's all stare at this person and fucking they're gonna feel like it's, shit. But they it's fuck it's up. kind of like throwing a kid into the pool and teaching him how to swim that way as opposed to giving him swimming lessons yeah like you know what i'm saying but like both he, work both work like the he's swimmer, not the swimming lessons you might be a better swimmer if it's a th- if i'm a therapist i'm just saying maybe i would suggest the you know we put some floaties on first <laughs> if i'm getting paid to like you know make people happier and, and I healthier i understand that but I think you're right in the sense that I there's don't no think way they're to... saying try stand up and go be a stand up comedian, a professional yeah, comedian. I think you're right. They yeah. Just do it as an exercise. Rip the bandaid off. Exactly. Right? If Face you're a fear. person who's afraid of like being open about yourself and things about your life in front of other people, do one of the hardest things and like do that. And then when you get off, you'll realize you're still alive. You have all your legs and your fingers and you're still good. Yeah. And that's going to make you feel a little better. Unless you and go into cardiac Smaller arrest. things, you just you just did stand-up comedy. Are you telling me? You, okay, so let's say you are someone who, is, who had a hard time introducing yourself to new people. Yeah. You just did a whole set of stand-up comedy. And yeah. 
you had 30 people watching you. All eyeballs on you. Nobody's nobody's talking. Silence in the room. And they're all staring, staring at you. You just did that. So after you do that, that's going to give you the confidence like, okay, of course I can go walk up to this person to introduce myself and be a little bit more social. So yeah. I feel like that's the angle that therapists um, are are going, are using, are, yeah, I can are see that. coming from when they um, uh, recommend When they're suggesting it. That exactly. makes sense. I could see that perspective of it. I uh, I think that's interesting, though. It's definitely definitely funny. I think um, somebody out there who's who's going through it in their head is like, Man, maybe I should try stand up, and then they're gonna do it and slip, and fall, before they even get up on stage. <laughs> and the gl- they're gonna be holding a drink, and the glass is gonna shatter. Yeah, and oh their hands God. gonna be sliced open. <laughs> and they're gonna just try to power through it because the therapist said they're gonna walk up there holding. <laughs> the glass, they're gonna be like, okay, my therapist said, and then try to make a. Ju- and it's yeah, I can see it right now. Don't do it if that's you. Don't do it. But Please hopefully, do I didn't that. scare somebody off. I uh, a couple more questions for you before we wrap up. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get into your joke because I don't want to. I don't want to give away all your jokes. I want people to come see you perform. Um, but uh, you do have a joke that talks about OnlyFans, and I don't want to get into it fully. But I'm curious, how much money do you think you would make if you started OnlyFans? How much do you think? If you, and or what would it take? I guess first, what would it take in your life to get you to a place where you would start oh, one? Oh, I gotta be down bad. I couldn't, man. I couldn't do anything like this. The, my family, bro. Yeah. Seriously. Well, like you could, the you shame. You can have an alias. Is I don't understand the shame. Like go. My thing is do what you want to do. Everybody has like freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. But my the shame. Like my, you shame people that do OnlyFans. No, I'm not shaming people. I'm saying. But you the think shame you would be shame that you're gonna bring on your family? I, oh, you think so? I don't know. I think maybe sh- depends. I'm I don't think of I myself as do like a father of a girl. If I see my, I will be heartbroken. Yeah, that'll be the biggest heartbreak of my life. Yeah. Worse than anything. Imagine seeing your daughter on Pornhub, bro. Pornhub's different though. I would be. I think OnlyFans is different part because OnlyFans they're their own boss. They're not being exploited. They're that's choosing just, the, that's the money. That's just junior high Pornhub. Yeah, I I agree in some <laughs> cases, but I think it, there are a lot of girls that have never been on Pornhub that make way more money. They're not being exploited, and they own the means of production. Like they own their own shit, so like they can't be That's fucked okay. with. And I respect that. I think, but you, but your whole stuff is still out there. For sure, I Listen, totally see that. And some people aren't okay with. It. I'm not okay with that. That's why I don't do it. But a man should not be able to tell a woman what to do and what he thinks they should do. Mm-hmm. I'll never do that. All power be to you. You know, do what you want to do as a woman. I'm all for it. But I just think there's a shame there. That a lot of, a lot of girls are being, let's say, selfish in my opinion, and not looking at the looking at how that choice may be affecting their family. Because I'm just thinking about what if mm. I'm a dad and I see my baby girl on OnlyFans, my heart <laughs> will be broken. Yeah, why? Shattered. She's on OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, why? I'm curious, what? Because I think, um. I think that I agree with you. I, I, th- I think there would be, but I just don't know if that, I don't know if it's maybe if it's right, you know? I don't know if maybe they, we should feel shame. If someone decides to do, like, I'm trying to picture if Here's it were your thing. brother, if you were your son, if your son was like, dad, I'm going to be a porn star. Oh, I'm going to own, thing. but he goes, he goes, same but thing. he goes, dad, just like you, you did all your own shit. You had your own podcast, your own journalism. I own my own cameras. I'm doing everything myself. I own the whole shit. I only shoot with the girls I want to shoot with when I want to shoot with, and I'm happy. 
Are you going to be ashamed? I'm not going to be ashamed. So I won't be disappointed at him or her, but I'll be disappointed. There's a difference between mm. being disappointed and being disappointed at the person. Okay. What are you disappointed with then? If that in this fake scenario that we've created, because <laughs> I gotta remind everyone, this it's is fake. fake. It's yeah, not I don't actually daughters on OnlyFans. We're joking right now. I'm. I'll. I'll be disappointed with the, the, what the style he or her chose to live the lifestyle. Mm. Like that's not what I would have wanted as a parent, but they are a human being and a grown adult, so it's not my place to like impounded on them so you failed but i still i wouldn't say i <laughs> failed just i wouldn't blame it on myself i'm just this kidding is, i'm just kidding that's what they this is still <laughs> yeah 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 uh fictional but i wouldn't say i failed but um it will just hurt me as a parent it'll hurt mm. it'll hurt and so of how course much, that's a hurt you're gonna have to get over yeah but it'll hurt so how much money if how much money if if it was like guaranteed that you would make X amount of dollars, would it take for you to do OnlyFans even for a month? Couldn't do it. Damn. Not even if it was no face. No, I respect. Oh, it. no face, like put on a mask. Yeah, or just okay. We're not talking too, some bucks. You gotta think too. I do think if I'm hiding identity, there, there's plenty then, of porn porn stars, porn couples out there now that don't show either face. That's guy or girl, and they live a that's life. That's reasonable. And they just. I mean, the, I mean, the stuff we're, we're there to see is what's coming off of him and what's at the end of her, right? I don't need to, mm -hmm. if, you know, the viewership will pay for if you got a I'm good body. I'm not to see what's coming off of him. I don't give a damn what's coming I off mean, of him. Yeah, whatever. But that's where the shit's happening. That's where the action's happening, right? So what yeah. if what if it was just that? Mm -hmm. This is me trying to get no, you I to know. start an OnlyFans now. Uh, uh, <laughs> Coercing you into starting an OnlyFans. Trying to get me into business. Yeah, trying to help you with some, make um, some money. Because for me, man. If that was my daughter... And she's doing that with her husband. Maybe you don't even know about it. It's under an, an, it's under an alias. If you they know? don't know, if I don't know about it, I'm cool. That yeah, don't let me know about it. So but what would it take for you to do it? Even if it was so, if you did it, you got an alias. Let's say you you come up with an a cool, alias, yeah, cool a mask, name, a lot of money. Okay. And because I'm broke, man, I'm a broke artist. More than you know? twenty thousand a video. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Everybody has a price. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I got a price for sure, dude. Yeah. I think like, I mean, dude, if I knew I was going to be set and I could just work, focus on the rest of my art and I didn't have to show my face, I'd be doing that shit. You think? Yeah, I think. I don't know. <laughs> it would take me a lot. I, I don't know if I have the courage, you know. I'm not that gifted down there, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what I could do, you know. Maybe I could work the angles right. Yeah, could I, see. I, I couldn't, man. I think if, if the money was right and I was that down bad I that I wanted to. I never look at my mom in her eyes. Okay. If she knows and saw that video and she knows that shit is, I could never look at either of my parents in the eyes again. Mm. What do you say? I to, even look what at about parents that have in walked eyes. in on their kids? That's different. But it's kind of similar. It's almost worse. They were real. They, were, no, they had a ticket different. to the show. They were there in First person. First of all, you're coming in my room. That's invasion of privacy. That's invasion of privacy. Exactly. You, you see the difference? You're coming in my room. I I'm putting this shit on the internet. But I... <laughs> like, at the end of the day, we still, like, yeah, I know yeah. freedom of choice, but, like, we're not here alone at the end of the day. 
like we still are a reflection of our families and our families are a reflection of us as corny as it sounds i just mm. come from my family so here's one more thing i want like it's not right to them like i want to be the porn I get star they don't. and i'm just mess i'm just kind of pressing you and messing with you a little like bit like imagine I, somebody's brother like um well do you think and your sisters are porn that's gonna come up everywhere well do you think then if you had like a family member that's too much that had like something else that's an undesirable trait like maybe you had a family member that was dealing battling like an addiction or maybe they did something terrible to themselves or somebody else would you like would or you had a friend maybe whose brother killed somebody right and so now like would you look at your friend differently because of that or would you just because you still your friend i wouldn't look at him differently because so of that. maybe you shouldn't look at people differently whose daughter does only fans maybe we can maybes all maybe. day but people are still gonna do it i i like and i just that. like put that into perspective like just imagine someone's brother and his sister is a porn star and every like they went to high they went to middle school together or whatever like yeah. everyone knew their brother and sister then went off to high school together let's say she graduates now she's 19 he's still in high school he's she's he's 17 she's a porn star everyone knew she used to go here last year yeah. now she's on the internet as a fan think about the depression you just gave your brother it's going to be there. You can Maybe. sure tell them to be a good person and understand that's your sister's life. But at the end of the day, people are going to grill your brother. Your brother's going to feel shame because he's a 17 year old boy. Yeah. And like it wasn't I, his choice. Yeah. I, and now I, your choice, because you wanted to be a, you wanted to do that so bad. It's starting to affect your family. Make if you're about the art, make videos at home and. I don't know. I put them on the shelf. I agree and disagree. Where you I know how many people I, actually like do that? They make pornos, pornos with their significant, significant other because oh, yeah, they like that feeling. Thing. Like yeah, watching it later on. Yeah, and they just keep it for themselves. I get that. I I agree with the picture you painted. Where I do think that that what you just laid out could and probably does happen. Yeah. But I think that maybe the response is where I would disagree. I just don't think like it's it's almost the same thing of if you've ever been like hooping at an open gym. And somebody has a has a sister, and somebody's like, "Oh, so and so, like one of the guys there is dating the sister, or did date the sister. Like he fucked somebody's sister." And then somebody tries to like start some shit. It's like, if somebody came to me and was like, "Oh, I fucked your sister," I'd be like, "Cool." Oh, your sister's a fucking porn star. I'd be like, "Shit, hopefully I can see some money. Hopefully I get some better gifts this year for Christmas." See, you're a like, better. You're you're a good dude. I just don't, you know, I just don't. I guess I just don't care enough. It's like the same thing too, where I I know a lot of guys like I have a. A lot of guys get really upset. They're like, I would never date an OnlyFans model. I would never date a porn star. Here's the thing. If I met somebody and they weren't doing porn and then we were dating and all of a sudden into the relationship, they're like, you know what, Darren? I still love you. I still want to be together. But I kind of want to get into some gangbang porn. Like, I want to start doing that. Then I'd be like, okay, no, we're good. <laughs> I'm Obviously, I'm not doing something, yeah. right? But if, if like, I, was, I met somebody at a bar, at a club, whatever, cute person where we get off well we hang out we we start seeing each other and i find out that that is their job and maybe they're done with it maybe they're I've still doing it i've actually met a porn star before i don't think i would be i would be like someone that's like oh i'm gonna tell you you can't work that and i'm gonna cut this relationship off now like if, if they were already had done porn or they were already doing it before i met them i don't think i have the right to be like yeah. if i like them i like them you know if that's what they fucking do that's what they do granted the other way if it what was you don't have to definitely have the right I have the right you to just, not want to be in the relationship, yeah. but I don't have the right because, to tell them that they they shouldn't do that. Oh no right? no no, that's yeah. the that's let me be clear. Yeah. That's the I agree with that. Like you don't have the right to say, oh, you shouldn't do porn, but you have the right to feel some type of way. Yeah yeah. Because like, 
it's gonna it will spill over to the people around you. It just will. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I like, I, I guess I you I don't have really... the right to be like, I can't. This is too much. I can't take this. Yeah, I, you can. You can a hundred percent. I guess. Um, I would say if you if you enjoy the person for real, then I think that shit will fade away, right? If it's your if you love your sister and that's what she does and you guys are cool, then like people are gonna talk shit. People are gonna talk shit. People are gonna talk shit. If your sister's a fucking doctor, they're gonna be like, dude, your sister was a bitch in high school. She was da 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 da. She thinks she whatever on Instagram. I'm so annoyed. It's, it's not, not the same. same. It's yeah. not the same. People are still gonna talk shit. Like no matter what you do, people are gonna talk shit. So. I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a tough that's a tough feat, man. It is different being a doctor and an OnlyFans star. I'm not saying like they're the getting, same, but <laughs> but getting yeah. Obliterated on the internet and probably making more money than that doctor though. I'm well in some cases. In some cases, exactly. That's that's another um, misconception. Yeah, that porn stars make money. Yeah, well, um, I would say OnlyFans girls make usually make better than porn stars, just because there's no companies involved. The top earners, most girls on OnlyFans don't even make money. That's true. That's true too. Yeah, yeah. but that's top earners, too. that's the thing. They're like, people see all of these top earners making a lot of money on OnlyFans because they see like they're thousands of top earners, but they're millions of girls on OnlyFans. So of course, the one percent is gonna have thousands. A thousands of girls sounds like a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. You see thousands of Instagram models making six figures to seven figures on OnlyFans. Yeah. But there are tens of millions of girls who are registered on OnlyFans making nothing. Oh yeah. I mean it's the same thing with it's the same thing with comedy, same thing with music, right? Exactly. Where there's a million people putting songs out on Spotify every mm-hmm. day, but there's only you but know, you one see thousand succeeding at it, so you think, okay, thousands. I can like do it. that exactly, yeah. but there are millions trying to get that thousands of jobs. But if you got a dream, go for it. Go for it, absolutely. Go for it. We'll be here supporting if you. OnlyFans is your dream. Please go for OnlyFans. Go fans. for don't, it, man. Don't listen to me and get discouraged by my big head. <laughs> no, bro, I appreciate you coming on the show today, man. Um, we had, I, I mean, fucking super funny guy, man, on stage especially. And here today we got to crack some jokes as well. Phenomenal journalist, like I said, and he's got his podcast as well. I want you to, what's what's next, man? And plug your stuff before we wrap today. Um. What's next with my podcast? Right now, um, I'm closing in on an interview with a gentleman from Milwaukee who's the founder of an organization called Heal the Hood. So it's um it's an organization that comes together and they're trying to find holistic ways to kind of uh just clean up the Milwaukee hood, you know, and um, bring down crime rates, homicide rates, and help out the area in general. Help out better. the area in general, mm-hmm. and That's specifically dope. the black community here. Very dope, dude. Mm-hmm. No, that'll be exciting. We'll be looking forward to that. And plug the podcast one last time for people that are that are just checking in. The Greatly Destined Podcast on YouTube. Um, that's the Greatly Destined Podcast on YouTube. The TGD Podcast. So TGD Podcast on Instagram and TGD Podcast on TikTok. And then what's uh for? I don't I don't have the Instagram handle off the top of my head. What's your Instagram handle? Just so people can, because I want people to come see you perform yeah. to uh, some stand up comedy. Zay underscore Oquata. So Zay Z A Y underscore O K W A T A. Phenomenal, man. Well, I, again, I appreciate you for being here, man. Thank you for coming out. Um, thank you for inviting uh, me, man. Thank you. Of course, man. And I want to say thank you to anybody who tuned in live tonight. If you're watching Days After over on YouTube or here on or over on Spotify or here on YouTube, uh, thank you as well. I want to say a quick shout-out to our patrons. Um, thank you guys for supporting the channel. If you guys are interested in getting behind-the-scenes access to extra podcasts, um, a series where I break down how I mix master every single one of my songs, as well as um, some behind-the-scenes and extra footage of vlogs and stuff like that, 
back, go to patreon.com slash Darren Rita. You can help support the channel for as little as a dollar. Um, and also a quick shout out to Kenosha Auto Insurance for sponsoring this episode. This has been the 191st episode of the Detox Podcast. I will see you guys next week. Peace.